Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Whether you have been listening or you're a first-time listener, I always appreciate you being here. You know, we're in for a real treat. I have never done a show like this before, so I'm excited. Um, So a a few weeks back, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with guidelines for children uh, for treating, quote-unquote, obesity, which really were quite shocking and um, horrifying, to be honest with you. Um, And right after they came out, I did a podcast with Shavise Turner, who's um, an amazing woman who is in the field and has lots and lots of experience and knowledge. And uh, she had a lot to say about them as well. And to be honest, we could probably have spent hours um, kind of just breaking them apart. And um, they're quite awful and, and scary. And the implications are, you know, they're mind boggling, to be honest with you. Um, so here with us today, I'm, I don't have a professional colleague on. I actually have um, people here who have a lot to say about their thoughts and feelings about the guidelines. And they're going to share with you some personal experiences, thoughts with you about um, what they think about the guidelines and implications. And, you know, it's just going to be a really interesting discussion. And so, you know, maybe some of the things you hear them say you can relate to, or it's going to spark some thoughts in you. And maybe you have no idea what the guidelines are. So you want to go back to the podcast with with Chavis, or if you would like to um, look at the show notes, we're going to have a link to the guidelines in there as well. You can look for yourself and form your own opinion. Uh, I actually encourage you to do that if you don't know what's in there. Um, Like I said there, (laughs) to me, quite shocking. Uh, But again, everyone can have their own opinion. I I value that. Um, But I really appreciate these women being here today and um, being willing to be vulnerable and open. So with that being said, we're going to jump on in. Well, ladies, welcome. I'm really appreciative of you all being here. I know that the guidelines came out and a lot of people have been having reactions. I've mostly been hearing from my colleagues. Um, so hearing from, you know, professionals in the field who are, you know, treating eating disorders and treating patients. Um, that's one perspective, but I think the voices of people like yourselves who, um, be experienced hearing certain things when they were children or even, you know, throughout your lives from medical doctors or from other, you know, parts of your life, personal relationships, just throughout your lives, just hearing and experiencing things that still sit with you today. I'm really appreciative that you're here to talk about some of your concerns regarding the guidelines, knowing that children starting at the age of two are going to be hearing 
things about their bodies, their weights, about what they're eating. Um, so I know some of you had some thoughts about them, but all of these things already. So I'm just wondering if any of you want to start with how you're feeling or what your thoughts are on all this. Um, well, I'll start. I, I have a very clear story um, that happened when I was uh, a dog walker. And I started having trouble staying awake on um, my drive home in the afternoons. So, you know, my mother, my father, my grandfather all have sleep apnea. So I thought I better go get some medical help because um, I was something was going on. And my primary um, sent me to see a sleep specialist. And I went and, you know, took several months, but I went in and saw her and she told me that I was obese and I absolutely had to lose weight or I would end up with all sorts of medical issues and it would just, you know, be terrible. Um, she spent almost the entire few minutes that she was with me talking about my weight, not about my sleep apnea. Um, but then the, uh, she left and I, the nurse practitioner came in and, um, who actually like did everything for the specialist. And I mentioned it to the nurse practitioner, you know, that, that the doctor had said, I have to lose weight. And she said, oh, the doctor's struggling with losing weight herself. That's why she says all this to you. That's it's all on her mind. And, but it really stuck with me. Even with that disclaimer from the nurse practitioner, I took it so personally that this is what I had to do that I started weight cycling. And, you know, I would deprive myself. And then I would, after restricting for long enough, I would start binging. And I went through um, a number of series of weight cycles, which, um, and, and, you know, major fluctuations that really were so difficult to deal with uh, physically and emotionally that um, it really ended up being becoming a full-blown eating disorder. Um, and I can trace it all back to that meeting with that doctor that day. That's where it started for me. Thank you for sharing that, you know, and, you know, you're talking about the power of words, hearing things. And I don't know if hearing that, you know, this could lead to all these health complications was really you know impactful in terms of what got you to make some changes at that point or you know it sounds like it affected you in terms of your how you felt about yourself but also putting kind of some fear into you like oh my gosh if I don't make some changes some really awful things are going to be happening to me um and you know, when I'm hearing that, I'm thinking, well, the awful thing that ended up happening to you is, like you said, you got a full-blown eating disorder, which is a pretty awful thing to have as a consequence to all this. And I think that's what, you know, the Academy of Pediatrics is not thinking about is the messages that all of this is going to have on these kids and that these could all lead to eating disorders, mm -hmm. right? That's huge. Mm -hmm. You're so worried about what potential illnesses these kids could have if they don't get a hold of, you know, their weight. But are they really thinking about the the words, the messages, the psychological impact, the emotional impact on their self-esteem? And much like with yourself, their relationship with food, their bodies. 
and the long-term effects, like I know personally, professionally and personally, you know, eating disorders do stem from hearing things, negative things about weight in your body, just like with yourself. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm wondering if anyone else who's here can relate to what was just shared or has their own personal stories from being a child, hearing things at the doctors or just if anything kind of sparked for you. I heard um, a lot of messages from my mother who I believe has an eating disorder um, even to this day. And what I heard not maybe explicitly said, but it was a lot of implicit behaviors that um, and words that she used about her body. And I extrapolated and internalized um, around my body. Um, and what I internalized was that um, because she was tall and thin, and I was tall and not thin, I, you know, was always comparing myself to her and thinking, well, if she didn't approve of her body, she must not approve of my body. And so if she's dieting and this is what she's eating at work and this is what she is subsisting on while she's at work all day, then I must have to try to eat what she's eating as a 10-year-old. And, you know, when she's eating, you know, when she's having gum and diet soda all day, well, I can't, you know, go to school and just have gum and diet soda. So I must be a failure. And so, and that just got me, you know, really thinking, well, you know, something's wrong with me that I can't diet like that and I you know there's something wrong with my body and I can't you know eat what my mom is eating and make it through the day and so I was really messed up by you know those kinds of expectations of myself and was really just um really felt bad about not only my body and what my mom must think about my body, but also the fact that, you know, what I was eating was way more than what I should be eating. And so that really gave me a lot of mixed messages about, you know, what I needed to be eating, um, and thinking about that as, you know, now as an adult and thinking about what a 10 year old should be eating, you know, who's growing and developing and, you know, their brain is growing and their body's growing and all that stuff, you know, it just is, is crazy making. And I know that is, you know, part of when my, um, eating disorder started to develop and my mom put me on a diet when I was 12. And, you know, that's just one more message that, you know, kind of shaped my whole experience around food and my body and what's wrong with me that, you know, that my body needs to be different than what it is. Again, still young, these 
the ages you're talking about are the exact ages that these guidelines are talking about, right? Like 12 years old, considering weight, weight loss drugs, you know, bariatric surgery. So these ages are, to your point, like critical. They're scary. They're very young, right? And so the impact that all of this can have on somebody's life in terms of their relationship with themselves, food, all of it, right? It's it's very scary to me. Um, I don't know the rest of you who are here having other thoughts or something's going on in terms of like your memories with doctors as a child or other things that you experienced. I remember always being told that my BMI was too high um, and that I was obese, even when most of my issue, if there was an issue at all, was just muscle. I was exercising and doing things and um, my BMI was always higher than what they said it should be. So what concerns me is I had a mom too that was dieting all the time and was letting me diet with her, encouraging me to diet with her. What if we had gone to the doctor when I was 12 years old and they had said what they said about my BMI, but instead they had said to my mother, who was in charge of my life and teaching me how to eat and how to take care of my body, who was very disordered. What if they had said to her, your child has a BMI of 26. You should give her weight loss drugs. My mother would have jumped on that. And it would have just been more fuel to the fire for bed, for the eating disorder for me. It just would have been more fuel. And I can't imagine now, um, I have my own children now that are this age. I can't imagine now going to the doctor and being told that my 12-year-old's BMI is a little bit too high and she should go on a weight loss drug or is or she's obese and she needs to go on a weight loss drug. I just can't see that as a solution. And it bothers me that we think that that's a solution. Um, it scares me, to be honest. And that's where I'll stop. Well, for those of you on the panel who, who are here, who are parents, just thinking about when you did bring your kids to the doctor when they're young and you were told to do things or, you know, this is this is what you need to do for your kids to keep them healthy and well. And did you ever question what the doctors told you? I mean, did you ever, I mean, that that's more of what I'm getting to as well is I know that, you know, we live in a toxic diet culture where the norm really is eat less, exercise more. This is the standard ideal like body shape size that's acceptable that you know if you look a certain way you have more value worth you're supposedly quote unquote happy or whatever it is i think that's part of all of this as well right and the bmi unfortunately is a standard that we know is <laughs> is a horrible standard to use for anything it's, it, you know i could go off on the bmi but um the fact that they're using that as a standard to categorize children as, you know, whatever, quote unquote, healthy weight, quote unquote, overweight, obese, whatever it is. I hate these categories. So I even hate saying these words, but 
that makes me sick. Um, but imagine most parents going in, their child's two, four, eight, 12, 16 years old. Imagine bringing your own children in and the doctor's telling you, hey, if you don't do these things we're telling you, your kids are really going to be at risk for these horrible illnesses, diabetes, heart disease, strokes. What do you think you would have done? So um, my son's BMI was high when he was in middle school. Um, and luckily I had a very good relationship with the pediatrician uh, that was more of, you know, based on, on uh, friendship and, you know, she treated me as a peer. Um, if she had told me to put him on, you know, to have bariatric surgery or something like that, I, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, it would have been very difficult for me, um, having had so many stroke, so much struggle with food myself, to take that information and evaluate it um, impartially. This child that was, uh, you know, obese or whatever. I don't know what the what the, the word is that they would just use to describe how he was. Is now playing college level basketball. If he had had bariatric surgery, that sure would be off the table for him. That would not have happened. It would have, you know, completely changed the course of his life. And I mean, it's it's just it, it's beyond. I, I'm I'm speechless at at how horrible uh, it makes my reaction to these um, these proposed guidelines. It, it just leaves me speechless. It's it's so wrong and stigmatizing and um, puts parents in a, in a horrible situation where they don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, yeah. It, it, thank goodness they weren't in place when my son was in middle school. That word that you just used, stigmatizing, that just, just sticks out for me there. That is, uh, we're going to have our doctor's calling our children that and telling us that the courses of their lives are going to be changed if they don't take these drugs or if they don't have bariatric surgery. How are we supposed to separate that out from reality, right? I mean, if my kid's got a BMI of 26 and you want me to put her on a weight loss drug now because she might develop something down the line, how am I supposed to sort that out as an adult? Are you sure that's the right course? I know as a parent, um, when my children were younger, you know, I was very intimidated by, by doctors and I trusted their pediatrician to know what was best for them as they were the ones who were the quote unquote authorities about their medical care and and safety and health and i trusted them to know what was in their best interest and so of course i would have um listened to their recommendations and would have trusted their rec recommendations 
Uh, however, now that I am more educated in um, and more knowledgeable about just um, the health field in general, and I am more aware of um, how to approach um, interacting with the medical profession in general, I uh, I feel more empowered to question my medical professionals about, um, you know, what their recommendations are and why they are recommending what they are recommending and doing my own research about their recommendations. Um, however, you know, typically um, parents of younger children are younger themselves and may not have that um, that level of um, confidence to question um, someone with a medical degree. And so that that is what would concern me is that they would be more trusting of somebody who is rec making these recommendations for their child and may not um, have the the confidence or the awareness or the um, the the knowledge base to be able to say, "Hey, wait a minute, what about dot dot dot?" and to be able to make informed questions or informed, you know, have the informed options available to say, well, what about this? Or I have heard this, or just to ask questions, informed questions about their child's treatment. And which I would hope that um, somebody would be able to ask, because you're talking about treatments that would affect a child's growth and development at from that point forward Talk, um talking about it, you're, you're influencing the way a child's body absorbs food and nutrients and that affects their how their body develops and grows and you know how their brain develops and grows um, which affects their whole future. So, uh, you know, that's what my biggest concern is, is just how their parents are interpreting what they are hearing from the doctor. You know, you've all shared a lot of things that kind of bring up a host of issues, but, you know, imagining some kids hearing these, like you said, the word stigmatizing, these labels, from a very young age and identifying very much with these labels, like I am this or, right? Um, I'm now different. I have to eat differently. I can't have these things. Something is wrong with me, right? I'm sick. I need to be put on a different way of eating at home or I have to do things differently or I can't, whatever. I don't know the implications really for, each child, but I can imagine it's going to shift some things at home with 
you know, what they are quote, quote, unquote, allowed to eat or how they eat. Um, and I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Like, you know, what have you shared about, you know, what it was like to, to restrict and then it led to weight cycling and things like that. Like, what are your experiences when you've tried to restrict certain types of food or when you even told yourself, no, I can't have this, or this is not okay food. This is quote unquote healthy food. This is unhealthy food. Like what effect did that had on you? Cause I'm imagining from like a young child, if you're already told like, this is quote unquote healthy food, this is unhealthy food. You can't have this. You can have this. Or if any of you have experiences where maybe you were in a home where siblings got to eat certain foods and you weren't allowed to, like, do any of you have experiences like that yourselves? In my life, fast food was always demonized um, constantly. Um, this is a little bit difficult to share, and it's kind of maybe too much information, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, fast food was demonized uh, big time by um, one parent over the other. And so what I would do was binge on fast food and reward myself with that. Um and I would restrict and restrict and restrict and restrict during the day um, or eat normally. But most of the time it was be restricting. And then at the end of the day, on my way home, wherever I was, this was as I was becoming more of an adult in my disorder, um, I would stop at a fast food place. I would order. I would tell myself that <clears throat> if I ordered more than one drink. They would never know it was all for me. So I would pretend like I was ordering for multiple people. I would order that. I would eat that all on my way home. And then I'd throw away the garbage before I got home. And then I would make sure that there was nobody around and I'd throw it all back up. So nobody would know. Um, specifically fast food because it was demonized. My mom and I would um, take diet pills together when I was in high school. That was kind of how we bonded over dieting. Um, we would do diet, do diet pills together and then reward ourselves on the weekend for dieting. Um, and that was kind of our mother-daughter, you know, thing. Um and so, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with this, with these guidelines, you know, the weight loss drugs. And, and so I know my mom would have, you know, jumped on the bandwagon as well, you know, oh yeah, she, she needs to lose weight. Even though, you know, I don't, I look at pictures of me in high school and it's like, no, I didn't really need to lose weight, but you know, whatever. But I, you know, looking back, I thought, I really thought I needed to. But regardless, it's, and, and it, it did lead to weight cycling for me, you know, I would lose weight, and feel real proud of myself. And then, you know, the diet pills would stop. And then I would just be a normal teenager and go out and do the things that teenagers do and, you know, eat go out fast food and blah, 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 pizza, and then put on, put on weight and, oh no, that's too much, too much. And so then, you know, the diet pills. And so then I'd go down and then, 
you know, stop the diet pills and gain more weight back up and then up and down and up and down. And my eating disorder just took off. And um, once I got out of high school, it really, it really took off. And um, once, you know, the diet pills just um, became, it, it, it just got worse. And yeah, the weight cycling became a real big problem. Well, that's a big concern I voiced, and I know some of my colleagues have too, is what happens when these kids start the diet pills and then go off? Right? What's the purpose of them to begin with? Right? What if, to your point, <laughs> the weight cycling. Right? We're, we're for example, this this horrible drug that's out now that a lot of people are unfortunately taking for weight loss that's actually a diabetic drug, Ozempic, you know, people are being prescribed it for weight loss and it's, they don't even have diabetes. They're, they're losing weight on it and then they're going off and they're gaining weight back plus some um, because it's not meant a for weight loss to begin with, but that's not how <laughs> a pill is not meant to be ingested and then alter your weight and you're not meant to stay on something that long there's a lot of negative side effects that's why most people go off it anyway right what are the side effects these drugs are going to have on these kids what are the long-term side effects we don't know how's it gonna they're growing you know a lot of you have mentioned like their brains are forming their bodies are forming they're going through puberty they're going through lots of things and we're going to put medication in their body that we just don't know what effects those are going to have right that's this is a scary part for me too i think i i have this feeling that a lot of people who have never struggled with their weight believe that it's just a matter of willpower to lose weight and and i think that there are a large number of people in the world who haven't struggled the way I have um, and or who haven't even struggled in half the way that I have <laughs> with their weight. And so then they make these judgment calls about how people who are in larger bodies should address the fact that they're in larger bodies. And it's so inappropriate because they haven't walked in my shoes. And they, you know, the, what causes weight loss? We don't even know. I mean, sorry, what causes weight gain? We don't even really know that. There are, okay, anyway, I, I, I mean, the medical field thinks that they have a lot of answers. But if you look at weight loss studies, don't most of them follow the participants for six months or a year? Well, what good is that when you're eight? <laughs> That's not going to help you. Um, you know, you've got the whole rest of your life to deal with. And um, if you were to get a bunch of people together uh for example, who have done some of these, you know, intense weight loss programs. Um, you know, I did Weight Watchers twice and I was in a room with, you know, 50 people and there were like three of them that were on lifetime status where they had, 
you know, reach their goal weight and manage to keep it for a certain number of weeks. So that's not a really high success rate uh, in, in my book. You know, that's what, three, six percent, something like that. It, it's a, so um, to be altering the life course of uh, children mentally and physically when we don't have the answers and we don't even know what the consequences of this so-called so problem that they're trying to address is, it seems completely ridiculous. And I, I do want to comment on that too, your statement that most people think if somebody's in a larger body, they have no willpower, they are, you know, lazy, whatever the words are that are so derogatory. And even listening to you and all, all that you've shared, and, you know, from my number of years working with patients for decades, I can attest 100% that most, if not all of the people have come to me so frustrated because they have worked so hard and done so many years of trying and devoting their lives to trying to get into smaller bodies. There is not a lack of willpower, <laughs> not far from it, right? Like you said, you did Weight Watchers twice and I know that's not all you've tried, right? Talk to people, they've been on, and I ask, how many diets have you been on? How many programs have you tried? They can't count, there's so many, right? That's not lack of willpower. <laughs> what happens is you diet, and you go off, you gain your weight back plus some. So then you have to go, you know, there's that feeling of, oh my gosh, I screwed up, I failed. So you go back on another one and another one and another one. Like you said, the weight cycling, that is not a lack of willpower. So, you know, that's my fear is you're going to start these kids so very young on that trajectory of weight cycling that that is really, for me, what's the scariest part. What are we really doing? This is a very scary path for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, I know this, we're getting to time here with everybody and I appreciate all that you've shared so far. Are there any last thoughts from anyone here that you wanna share? I just say, um, thank you for getting the word out there, Christina, you, you, you do a lot. I'd just like to say that as someone who works with, with small kids, I think that the important thing is for kids, you know, to focus on um, just to enjoy being in their bodies. And I think that will um, be a big benefit because if they enjoy being in their bodies, that will, that will um, just create a, a, a more positive feeling for them about their bodies and a better framework for them to um to feel good about who they are and um just have an overall positive effect when it comes to um to fighting that that um you know all of the the just that stigma of um you know that society and you know hopefully potentially not the medical field and um everybody else wants to put on them 
Well, thank you again. This has been really helpful. And I always appreciate when people come on and share their personal stories. I know that that can be difficult and scary. So, um, you know, and I know people listening probably are relating a lot with things you shared. These are not isolated stories or experiences. So thank you. And if any of you listening have thoughts about these guidelines that you'd like to share comments on, please do so. I'd love to hear them and I'll share them on another podcast. All right. Thank you guys again. Appreciate it. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.